Welcome back to the Capes and Tights podcast right here on capesandtights.com. I'm your host, Justin Soderberg. This episode, we welcome author Liz Karen to the podcast to talk about her novels, Night's Edge, and the upcoming First Light coming out from Tor Nightfire in April. Uh, we talked about the books, about the relationships in it, about writing them, and so on and so forth. Before you listen in, though, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, and Blue Sky, as well as subscribe, rate, review, all those things over on Spotify, Apple, and all your major podcasting platforms. This is author Liz Karen of Night's Edge and First Light. First Light comes out April 23rd from Tor Nightfire. Enjoy, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Liz. How are you today? I'm awesome. How are you doing? Thanks for having I'm, me. I'm doing wonderful. It's actually sunny. We were talking a little bit before we recorded uh, here in Maine. It's actually sunny and it's getting warmer. I think the forecast does say 50s coming up here pretty soon. So, uh, you know, it's getting warmer. <laughs> yeah, it's probably nicer in Maine than it is in California today. Like in LA, it's just been gloomy and rainy and gross. It's like my friend the other day said that we all are suffering from a like serious case of the febs because it's still February here and it's just disgusting. Yeah. Well, I think the the, the 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 groundhog see its shadow or whatever happens. We have early spring or whatever, and we were like, oh, six more weeks of of winter, and for us, it's like that's that's still an early spring. Like people are like, oh, it's you know Maine. We like I think graduation in Maine at Univers University of Maine, which is near me. The University of Maine graduates like the first weekend in May, I believe it is. Mm -hmm. And in 2020, oh, there wasn't any actual like real graduation or maybe it was 21. It snowed on that day. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, can you imagine like walking into commencement and like having me like, oh, there's some flurries coming around. And so for us, it's like, oh, could get 50 degrees out. But then all of a sudden, I know where we could have like a blizzard and we're shoveling again. So, um, but yeah, yeah. I, otherwise, I really can't complain about living in Maine. I'll tell you that much. I do like Maine. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's totally. very beautiful up here. Um, but I live down the street with Stephen King. People on the podcast have heard that multiple times. So, it, you know, but I like to bring it up to people who write scary books. Uh, you know, it makes sense. You, got, you know, I'm sure you're yeah. a Stephen King fan or at least have read Stephen King. <laughs> of course and it, I, his work made me love that, that part of the country even more like uh Maine, New Hampshire Vermont like I I lived on the east coast for a long time but like there was always something so mysterious and creepy and interesting about like ooh, what if you go north of New York what happens <laughs> and I love it I just love uh, it up there anything vampires uh possessed pets um <laughs> that's all what yeah, Maine is right now yeah, that's the answer. Anything happens. <laughs> Anything happens. Well, I just finished, I, I actually literally just finished last night, uh, or yesterday afternoon, The Dead Zone. Uh, and so when I was getting some work done this morning, I was like, you know what? Let me watch Christopher Walken's The Dead Zone. And uh, I'm pleasantly surprised, pleasantly happy that the book was better than the movie. I'll tell you that much. I, I do think that uh, more recently I have read some books like, um, you know, I might be making some people mad, but like Jaws and mm. Jurassic Park, I do think that the feature films were better than the the books, the original material. Uh, but Stephen King, mm -hmm. it seems like most of his books are better as books than they are as movies, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm fascinated, actually, because I didn't learn this for a long time, but like how he feels about the Shining adaptation. Mm -hmm. This is something I, I only recently learned about because I've been doing some of my own adaptation, mm -hmm. and that's another story. 
but yeah people are like yeah he, he doesn't he doesn't really like the Kubrick movie and I'm like but that's one of my favorite movies but then <laughs> well, but I think I, if you I take always, it as its own I, yeah. entity it's fine like, I you think it's its own as a horror movie The Shining is unbelievable but then when yeah. you say okay the source material was this and it was slightly different and yada 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 I think then you go okay that understanding but if you take each individual entity and not compare them they're both amazing. It's just when you start Absolutely. to compare them, it's the problem. <laughs> yeah, and and I totally get like in the book, uh, the thematic resonance he was going for and what he was trying to say with these characters. Like, yeah, maybe that's not in the movie. Um, and I I feel for that. So yeah, that's a whole interesting topic in and of itself is just adaptation and how authors really feel. Um, Ex exactly. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it's a, it's a big thing. I just felt like there's certain things I just, when I kind of realized it, that after I finished Jaws, I was like, Jaws, uh, you know, by Peter Benchley is amazing. However, there was some like romanticizing or, or some romantic things that happened in the book that didn't happen in the movie. And I was actually really happy oh. because it like, it took away from, I think what the, what the actual story was about. It had like almost like, it almost felt like in the book he meant he was like, oh, we need to put some romance in here. And they put some romance in there to like, I don't know, check a box or do something. Yeah. And in the movie, it wasn't there, which I was like actually pleasantly happy about. So um, I'm actually showing my wife's never seen Jaws. And so I'm showing it oh. to her right now. We started last night, but we were getting tired. She's uh, 37 weeks pregnant. So I don't she's like, <laughs> she's like yeah. ready to go to bed at like eight o'clock at night. So. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's like great time to watch Jaws. Like, all right, let's get scared. Let's just well, I did say it's winter and she can't yeah. swim for a little while. So I'm like, actually, this is a good time to watch it because you're not going to get in any water and be scared of being in water because of Jaws. So you want to do that kind of yeah. like winter. Winter time seems like a good time to watch something like Jaws and not be scared yeah. about getting in the water. But uh, yeah. uh, we could talk about other people's books all day long because there's thousands huh? out there. But Liz, so when did you know that this is what you wanted to do is craft novels and write and things like that oh wow i mean like when i was a little kid i would like narrate stories aloud to my mom who had you know really old school computer with like the first version ever of microsoft word and she would type it out for me and then i would draw the pictures because i couldn't even like really write yet i was sort of reading so i must have been like in kindergarten or something like that and so I was I was writing from when I was like a wee child. But then, um, you know, when I was a kid, I was actually an actor. And that was a whole like uh, life path that I went off on for a while, um, but then started writing again in high school because um, I wanted to write plays. I wanted to write my own stuff. And I was a better writer than I was an actor. And I was really grateful to my drama teachers who always just like gave me a platform and told me it was cool to write stuff. And so I came, I kind of came into this world as a short story writer, as like a wee child, and then was a playwright in high school and in college. Um, and then kind of found my way back to fiction during college, um, wrote a bunch of short stories and, you know, wrote a supernatural horror novel that, you know, never really saw the light of day, but like it reconnected me with what I knew I loved. Um, so, you know, I went to film school, but I was also like writing fiction on the side. So I graduated and I was like, okay, like I've, I studied playwriting and screenwriting and television writing. Cool. I know how to do all that stuff. I know how to be on set, yada, yada. But like, there was always just this tug that insisted that I should also be writing fiction. So, you know, mm -hmm. over the years, while I cobbled together this weird Hollywood career, 
I was always writing a novel on the side. And then that sort of started to eclipse everything else. And now here we are. And I'm very happy about that. It's been a long journey to kind of like find my, my happy medium because I always was worried like, oh, if I go full force into film and television, I'll lose my connection to writing fiction and I'll, you know, get rusty. Um, but then vice versa, like, oh my God, if I just devote myself <laughs> to writing fiction, I'm going to lose all my connections and TV and I'm never going to get a job again. So I'm like, now I think I'm doing both and I'm really happy. <laughs> we're happy that you're doing both too. I tell you that as the readers of your, uh, of your books, uh, uh, we're happy that you're continuing to do both because uh, Night's Edge was phenomenal. I stumbled into it. So I, you know, a little background on, on me where I was mostly into comics and things like that, but I, I, Growing up, I wasn't a very good reader. I took actual reading classes and I, you know, they, you know, read this, read that. And I was very good at it. I always felt odd in school because the only special class I had was my reading class. I could do everything else. Right. Amazing. It was like the reading class. And so comics always were that thing to me that that were smaller blurbs, easier to read, shorter stories, things like that. Uh, when you picked up a, when you pick up a novel, it's very daunting compared to when you pick up a comic book. It's just like, you know, 20 page thing. And so I just read comics and I just, to my adult life, I just kept on reading uh, comics. Uh, my wife can read extremely fast. She's, she reads, you know, she always made fun of me because I never used to read books. Uh, and then over the past couple of years, I really got into it and, and, and have just full force been reading more novels, honestly, than I am even comic books. And I don't even remember how I stumbled upon Night's Edge. But I stumbled on it after it was released and I read it this, uh, you know, um, I think in January I read it. And I read, mm -hmm. I reached out to you. I was like, oh, we need to talk about this. And then, uh, you know, we're lucky enough to get an advanced copy of First Light. Uh, and I was super excited to get into reading that as well. Uh, and so Night's Edge, First Light, this universe, this world that you've created with these, uh, I mean, I say the word vampires, they're Saras, but like, mm -hmm. you know, they're, you know, an easier thing to say to people a lot of times is the word vampire, but they... Where did this come from? Is this something that was originally created as a novel or was this a different way you wanted to go about it and then it ended up a novel? Was it planned to be two books originally? What's like what's a little bit more about what happened here to get this going? Yeah, the short answer to all of that is none of the things that happened with it were planned at all. My master plan was none of this, but I'm delighted by how it turned out. Mm -hmm. Um I initially conceived of the characters from Night's Edge as like an indie horror movie. I thought I wanted to like shoot a couple years ago. I had like written out a treatment and applied for this like filmmaking grant with it, like didn't get it. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, these are, I had always been fascinated with, um, I just love really grounded character driven horror, specifically horror that probes are relationships and our family relationships and I think there was something about vampires that always you know scratched this itch for me that was not the itch that was being scratched for everybody else mm -hmm. where I was like oh there is something so intriguing about vampire and human relationships they're very parasitic they're very toxic literally one is siphoning life from the other in order to survive what does that say about us as people and our relationships? And I had some personal experiences that I was kind of sifting through. And I was just like, a parent-child vampire relationship is not something we've done. And it makes a lot of sense to me personally to explore some of my own stuff 
through the lens of horror and vampires. So that's how we ended up with these characters. And then I just sort of was having them bounce between different mediums. Like there was the indie film thing that didn't pan out. And then I wrote it as a short story uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic because I had nothing to do. I lost my job, but the movie <laughs> I was working on went away. And I was like, oh my God. So I had nothing to do, but I kept thinking about this idea. And I was like, let me see if it has legs as fiction. Wrote a short story, was really happy with it. And then my agent was like, do, do you want to just do all of this? Like you have nothing but time. We're in a pandemic. So if you want to just go write a book, now's the time. And I said, yeah, let's, let's go for it. So that's how this came about. And um, the short story ends exactly the same way the novel ends. Um, and I will say no more because, you know, spoiler soup. We're not going to have spoiler soup today. Well, I almost put that at the top saying that like uh, Night's Age came out, came out in Jan, uh, June of last year. Uh, the, yeah. the, 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 or the, the, sorry, the paperback comes out March 19th. Um, mm -hmm. I, we're not going to try to spoil anything. I'm going to edit it out if we try, if we do. But if there is something, please read it. If you want to pause doing this episode until you read the book, uh, that'd be great. But if not, then, you know, just in case something slips out, that's not, uh, you know, and I don't think we're going to say this is what happens, but like, I don't know, sometimes right. you try to try to broadly explain something and someone's like, that's even, I don't want that at all. Like some people don't, here's the weird thing is, is I'll go to like read a book uh, and I hybrid read. So I read uh, the, the the physical copy and I also listen to audiobook because I like to listen oh, cool. to, to yeah. and from work if I'm doing the dishes or whatever. Uh, but mm -hmm. I still like cracking open a novel and actually reading it. So I do a little bit of both. And um, I'll start a lot of times the book as audiobook and I'm like, get the first like sentence in and I'm like, wait, let me read the synopsis again about this book. Cause I don't know. I want to know what's going on. Some people don't want to do that. Some people don't even want to read. Like they want to read the title and they want to be like, okay, this is about this and this, and that's it. They don't want to read a synopsis or something because they don't want to be spoiled for them. And I thought that was, I'm like, I need a gist of what's going on here. I need to know a, a little bit more. <laughs> I think it'd be, I mean, it's crazy for me to not read a synopsis. <laughs> I think also, also with Night's Edge, sometimes people are like, oh, it's mothers and daughters and vampires. So yeah. it's cute. So it's funny. So it's the Gilmore Girls, but they're vampires. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, why do you think that? It, <laughs> if you're expecting cute, I have an unpleasant surprise it's for you. you. Um, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I will do my best to preamble. Like if I think I'm getting into spoilery territory, I'll be yes. like, Headline, headline, here are spoilers. Yes, exactly. Um, spoiler yeah. alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. No, yeah, I like because I think you I'll, can I'll... talk about a book without spoiling. I think it's possible. I don't think it's, it's one of those things that like a lot of times, I mean, uh, doing this, you want to do some of these conversations prior to a book coming out because we want to let you know it's out there, pre-order with your local shop, you know, pre-order on Amazon, whatever you want to do. So you have the book uh, when First Light comes out. And this is a good thing because, I mean, honestly, there wasn't, it's not that it's not even a year between the two novels coming out, right? I mean, technically mm -hmm. June and April, um, you know, was that planned to do this? Did you already have most of First Light done when, when Night Stage came out or did you just like slam it out? Uh, I, okay. So when I finished Night's Edge and we sold it to Nightfire, yeah. there, uh, a two book deal was proposed and they were like, oh, we can do a Night's Edge sequel if you want to. And I actually hadn't, thought of doing it at, you know as a duology up until that point and now i cannot imagine it any other way i look back on like the way night's edge ends and i'm like oh my god if that was just it that's like 
That's insane. So, oh, so now it is. It is, but like I can see how if you said to someone, someone's like, I read Night's Edge. I have so many books on my to be read list, and they don't get to 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 first light for a number of months or something like that. It's not like you would be completely disappointed. I think that Night's Edge is great. It's a great book. You can read it the way it is. First light adds so much more to the relationship part of this, this, this whole story as well, like different relationships and and how it affects, you know, the future uh, of these characters. But it, and what's funny about it is I don't like vampires. Like it's weird. It's not like I don't like vampires. I've never really had this like go towards that type of story. Um, I, but the funny thing is over the past year, I've read Salem's Lot. I've read uh, CJ Tudor's The Gathering. I, I was able to get an advanced copy of that, which is, you know, similar. Well, it's, uh, and then you, your two books here. And um, uh, Christopher Golden has a comic book called Mortal Terror, which is also mm-hmm. about vampires. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, did I just all of a sudden come out, come to be a vampire person? But I think it's different. I think that what these stories and what you and these other people that I mentioned are doing with the vampires is you're kind of like not turning it on its head, but doing it from a different angle in a different way. You know, Mortal Terror from Christopher Golden is literally the opposite of what vampires are. It's basically like if you get bit by a mortal person, you'll turn mortal. And so it's it's a, it's really kind of cool. It's like just taking, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula and then just changing it to the fact that the vampires are actually the more the people that are around them more more than the the, the mortal people, which is which is really cool. Um, and then this one, this is more about relationships, in, in my opinion. And I like to compare it. I've always been a Walking Dead fan, uh, both the mm-hmm. TV show and the comic book. And people are like, "Oh, I hate zombies," and I'm like, "It's not about the zombies. It's about how you would react to a world with zombies in it. How would you protect your loved ones? What would you do to protect them? What would you do to stay alive? And so on and so forth." That. The zombies are just a vessel, and I feel like that's the same thing. The Saras are a vessel to tell the story of the relationship between a mother and a daughter, relationship between friends, things like that. It's it's you're, it's a different vampire story. So I want to tell people off the top here, if you're not like, oh, it's more like vampires. This is not Twilight. Uh, yeah. This is much, much, uh, much different. <laughs> I really, I'm so glad you said that. And I think like, I was literally talking about this two days ago with someone where I was just like, and I, I posted a very long thread about this because I was like, I can't get this off my chest. I this kind of original for, um, you know, writing about vampires in this day and age is a bit of an uphill battle mm-hmm. because there is this like baked in cultural expectation of like, well, it's romance, right? Yes, yes. And I'm like, I'm like, what happened to the scary ones? And I think also because I am a female writer, um, I, I think there just comes this, like, I don't know, it comes with this weird expectation of what I'm offering. And there have been people who have reached out to me and said, like, this isn't a vampire book. What are you doing? Like, somebody <laughs> told me that I grossly misunderstood the genre. And I was like, I said, I think you did. Yeah. Have you? No, like, is Twilight yeah. the only vampire book you've ever read? Yeah, Some they probably haven't even read the book. It's probably more along the lines that they just saw the movies. And, and that's no offense to anybody who just does that. I'm not saying that you have to read to no, be, know, you know. But... but but thanks, Stephanie Meyer. Like, I really appreciate you you putting all vampires in a box. Uh, no pun intended there, little. But, but like, the idea that... Um, don't put it in a box because there is other stories. And I feel like that's what I'm, I'm into mostly. If I talk to anybody about 
whether it be comics, whether it be books, whether it be movies, is that I want you to take what the stereotypical genre is or there's the, the area of that uh, novel or book or whatever and tell it a different way and, and explore different avenues because it does there's not like this is how you write a vampire book you know this is how yeah, dracula yeah. was written by bram Stoker. that's that book but that doesn't mean that every book has to have that same specific model to it and that's something you've For done sure. with, this, with this series yeah and i also um was really interested in telling like very modern vampire stories about like this could happen today to a young woman it includes stuff about social media stuff about like that's adjacent to the pandemic that we all just experienced mm -hmm. um things that just feel like stuff we just live through um i have kind of grown a little bit um weary with gothic vampires i think it's just what the go-to has been for so long and i'm like mm. not you know so this was to be a world just like ours um present day i think i can relate to it in a way that some people might not be able to either because i'm such into comic books is that this kind of reminded me of like how a superhero's alter ego would be whereas like mm -hmm. a vampire like these vampires these sars they they have they have to hide from people and the people found out what they, who they really were, their lives would change and things like that. And I think that's why maybe it connected a little bit more with me, but I mean, I'm not the only one. I definitely have a lot of people who are friends with mine on Goodread and things like that, that have rated your books highly. So it's not like I'm the only one that feels this way, but I just speaking from a personal experience, I think that you've done a great job of, like you said, turning it on its head in a way uh, that's made it, uh, I don't know, accessible to everyone in my opinion, but thank you. I guess that's on my that. own personal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm like and on that token like is is mia bruce wayne is that what yes. you're saying <laughs> well i mean financially not but yeah <laughs> no she oh if only all their problems would be solved i mean bruce wayne did live in a bat cave so there's like you know the, the connection to that so. <laughs> it's not totally off base no it's not but no and, it, and they think oh well bruce wayne's parents are dead so it's not the same way because like you know in, in Night's Age, there's a little bit of a relationship between mother and daughter. So obviously, um, well, yeah, I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, it's a secret identity in a sense. Like, yeah, it's not like for sure. they're fighting crime or, or like, you know, that kind of thing. But like, it's the idea that you have to hide you from yourself. And the fact that, you know, she can't, being a daughter, having the ability not to do anything extra because she's afraid that someone's going to find out their secrets uh, is, yeah. a, is a different thing. It, it, maybe Mia is more like Bruce Wayne's kid. If that makes any yeah. sense. Like having to like, yeah, cause you can't like, come over and see my dad because people might find out my dad is Batman. You, so like, it's the same thing. Like, yeah. That's like a great, like spin off comic. Like don't come <laughs> over and go find out my dad is Batman. This is rewrite Batman yeah, story as the Knight's edge has like the, 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 like the, you know, body of it. And the, in the uh, plot to the whole thing is just with Batman with swap out characters for Batman, Batman, Robin, his kids yeah i mean yeah exactly let's <laughs> we'll just make batman a sarah there we go make him a vampire and that thing that's it done good good to go maybe maybe that's the way i need to sell the movie from now on <laughs> like forget the source material i'm just gonna walk into my pitch and be like picture this picture this. batman's <laughs> a vampire and he has a kid <laughs> ugh, ugh. it would probably work <laughs> honestly 
Uh, and, and, and then you have the relationships. You obviously you move on. You have the relationship between father and uh, sorry, father, mother. Now, now I'm now I'm picturing Bruce Wayne and his kid in this book instead <laughs> of uh, you know Mia and Izzy. Um, but then, and, and it probably seems like for most people, and again, we're not going to spoil anything here. But like, if you think about reading the actual synopsis, some of this stuff is the idea that she meets Jade uh, and Mia eats Jade, meets Jade, and and if she never met someone like Jade. Maybe she'd never, maybe they would, no one ever, ever, the book would end. <laughs> this would be over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because maybe you would have been able to do it. And maybe not because Mia does definitely want to explore other things. She, she, you can tell that she's ready to like seek other friends and things like that. And again, relationship, but not romantic or not romantic relationships like you'd see in most other vampire stories in a sense. Mm hmm. And I also think it's true that at the same time, her mother's pulling away from her. So what I, you know, like Mia would never have just like gone off and like explored her crush on this girl had she also not been getting these signals from her mother that her yeah. mom was also feeling kind of done with their way of life and was lying to her as well. So I think that that was for me always the important push and pull where I was like, mm. well, she does something, then she does something, then she mm -hmm. does something. Um, and that's how these codependent relationships, sometimes uh, they fray and then they fall apart. You know, the mom couldn't get away with what we get away with. I, I get away with as a parent being like, why can't I do this? Because I said so. <laughs> because at some point right. that kid is going to find out like, because I said so isn't totally fair. And if you're doing, you, know, you can't have a cookie after eight o'clock and then I'm having a cookie after eight o'clock. It's like, well, what's the heck's going on here? So this is push against what you, but as someone gets older and understands when Mia was younger, it probably be a little easier. Just this is how things are. I'm your mom, figure it out, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. As you get older and you get your more independent thinking, that's when things start, start to fray. And I think that's where the pressure became on the relationship with their mom and then, then so on and so forth. And again, the mom being able to do whatever she wants, but then has to, tell her daughter you can't do this that and the other thing because it could hurt our the way of life that we have and so on yeah. and so forth so yeah it's it's a definitely great and that's where i think i kept on like turning the page and wanting to know what was going on and so on and so forth i think um night's edge did that to the point where i wanted i was like can you do this can you do a third book please like can you figure this out i don't know how you're gonna do it but can you please do a third book? um but yeah and then and it's your writing's great and that also helps with it too. So I, I think that people should definitely pick up Night's Edge. Don't you agree? Thank you. <laughs> I, I agree. I must say. Um, but yeah, it's a, so if you want a different vampire style story, um, I think that's what's what what vamp what, what Night's Edge did to me. And it made me open up the idea that I can have maybe a different if someone said, and I, I think that's some of the reason, honestly, that I got to read the gathering from CJ was that mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I read this, and I was like, oh, I can handle a vampire story. I can do this. And, and if have you have you read it or, or heard of the book, The Gathering yet? Or I have because, heard of it and I haven't read it yet. Yeah, because I mean, it has um, tones that are, we we put on the same. If someone does like your book, I would highly recommend that because of the fact that it is again more about fringe vampire. Like it's not you're not following Dracula around. It's it's your fringe. It's it's more a vessel right. to get the story moving along, less about the actual physical biting someone's neck or, or, you know, those kind of things in there. Yeah. So you, I, yeah. I was going to say, I think that we're kind of entering this era um, of vampires being scary again, which I mm. love. And, you know, what you just said about like, it's this fringe group. 
there is so much that's been going on for us culturally for the past like four or five years that has to do with um you know illness and mm -hmm. being uh secluded and being on the fringes and arguing about what's the better philosophy and the better way of life and i know that like night's edge and first light explore a lot of that and it sounds like some of these other ones that are coming out yeah. are also getting into that and i think that has you know you you have to kind of look at history and culture as a whole and understand like oh well that's where all this is coming from it, it makes me yeah. think of vampires. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. It's like one of those things that like through the past couple of years when someone would you close to you or, or you know of uh, got COVID and you're like, did mm -hmm. I see them? Was I around them? Did I talk? Did I get too close to them? And all I could picture is the same thing, but way more serious to the point where like, oh, wait, they're a Sara. Oh, crap. Am I going to? Was I yeah. too close to them? What what happened? Did we did, did, did blood touch my blood? Did something happen that I'm now going to become ill with something mm -hmm. and yeah it can bring that uh you know i don't think a lot of people want to read specifically someone writing a horror book there was a horror movie i saw online about covid something and i'm like oh, i don't yeah, want to no. watch a covid horror movie but i would like to watch one that had similar tones and similar ideas with something like vampires or or, or some zombies or whatever it may be that is a different vessel yeah. of of uh communication on this because i like the idea of how scared we were um, mm -hmm. you know, how, how staying in our homes, lock ourselves down. Well, I don't like the idea of that, but I think you get what I mean. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> but good, like, I want something else. I want something more unrealistic. Horror. Yes. Yeah. I want mm -hmm. something. That, and that was the biggest thing I think for me. And I think a lot of people will agree with me is that my favorite horror stuff is such realism with the slight change to make it unrealistic. So we live in a world that we don't have vampires or at least we don't mm -hmm. think we do. We don't know. We do. we likely yeah. don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but so you just take a world that that's kind of scary in itself and then you add vampires to it, which is a slight different change and it makes it even scarier, which is nice. You know, that's what I think why this also fits into that niche for me and why it's like a perfect spot for it. And that's why, I was like, you know, the lucky, I'm lucky enough to talk to only people that I like things that they do. I'm not being told by a bigger producer being like, you've got to talk to Liz. Her book came out this, you know, and I'm like, well, the book sucked. I don't want to talk to her about this. And, it, you know, it's, I'm lucky enough yeah, to be able to totally. say I'm reading something and I'm going to gloat about it. And, and, and I'm going to say, I liked it a lot. And that's, you know, one For of those sure. things. That, um, and that made me want to watch, read a uh, first light. And I think I'm glad Tor Nightfire had you write a sequel would you have done a different book was that the idea it's that you, instead of doing the sequel you had a two book deal was like you potentially could have done something else but it just made most sense to do first light yeah i think i could have in theory done something else but like when it first came up it was kind of talked about with the expectation that okay. like and the second one will be more um and i was like yeah it was really funny how i wasn't sure initially like where else it could go because of the way the first one ends and then I was like oh of course I like of course we know where it's going like there is a there's something we didn't there's a loop we didn't close yeah and it's a big loop and there was also so much world building that we hadn't had a chance to like really delve into because the first book is just Mia and her mom so isolated in their little jewel box of a, you know, of a home and of a life. And it's just this very, very insular story. Mm. So um, getting, getting the chance to open it up was huge. And I had so much fun. 
And I think it's cool because I think a lot of people, what one of the cool things about uh, First Light compared to Night's Edge, Night's Edge is more like of a linear story, uh, whereas mm-hmm. First Light has this like, you know, in the future kind of thing. And then also going back to right after uh, the end of Night's Edge, basically. So there's this like dual storyline, but the same storyline. I, I don't know how, what, how yeah. to explain it. Um, that was cool because you could have easily just been like, here we go. So a week after the end of the last book, and let's just continue the story along. But I feel like you were able to do a different, like it, it changed it up. I had this conversation with a couple of people the other day about should you read series or dual, like, you know, of books back to back to back to back? Or should you put mm. something in between? Should there be a palate cleanser? Should I read, you know, um, I was thinking of it when I was reading Wolf by uh, uh, the uh, Silo series. And mm-hmm. I read Wool, and then I'm like, should I go and immediately read Shift, or should I read something in between, escape the world of the silo, and then come back? And a lot of people said that. They said that they liked the idea of reading one book, then someone else's book, and then going back into the the sequel or the next book in the series. And I feel like the way you wrote First Light allows me to read Night's Edge and then that, because it's almost just it's a different way of storytelling, in my opinion. Your voice is still there, but I think that mm-hmm. you just changed it up slightly in the second book, which I liked a lot. Thank you. Um, it was fun to kind of play with the nonlinear yeah. storyline and like where you planted reveals and where you sprinkled information that made sense later. Um, that's kind of my, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of my favorite way to tell a story and kind of unwrap it slowly. But I don't know. I think it's really, really fun to allow readers to experience the stories back to back if they want that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also could see, you know, the first one being emotionally a little much and maybe they want to take a break and that's fine too <laughs> but i've heard from a couple of people who have had early copies of first light who read them back to back and they're just like this feels like a complete uh, a complete arc when you get them both in at the same time um so i would say that's a great way to experience them and there are also two short stories that are in this world that come like you can read them separately standalone anytime but like they come at different points in this whole timeline um and that's also fun if someone wants to dig those out interesting uh, that, that's that, it's also one of those things that like what is it there night's edge is like 300 pages what's mm-hmm. 330 mm-hmm. something pages so it's not like you're talking back to back I'm going to bring Stephen King back up. It's not like you're writing back-to-back Stephen King 600-page. It's not like reading under the oh, God, no. 12, yeah. 1,200 pages and then reading another 1,200 pages. This is, you know, there's books that are this long together. You could have told the story as one story, and and people wouldn't have balked at it. They wouldn't have been like, oh, my God, it's 500 and something pages. You would have been like, cool. Maybe someday, (laughs) yeah, maybe someday they'll print like an omnibus, like where it'll just be one chunky novel and it's like 600 pages and it's like, it's all of it, which fine. Um, (laughs) I was also, yeah. I, I was also at the time, you know, developing the story for television at the same time that I was writing the sequel. So for me, I was also thinking a lot about like, where is this show going Mm -hmm. and what is the world we're building so those two uh creative journeys like really informed each other every day so i think that that was also super cool and you know just uh, 
a very uh, rigorous brain exercise that I was doing the year I wrote uh, the the sequel as well. When when you I mean are you you're writing the adaptation of it yourself or you have a team or how does that how does that work? So right now it's not moving forward anymore. Uh, okay. We just found out like a week or two ago, so I'm now allowed to say that. But it was in development for a couple of years, um, and I was writing the pilot and I was a producer on it. But we had like okay. a whole team, you know, and a studio and producers, et cetera, et cetera. And it was really, really cool. It was an awesome group of people. Um, just the industry just experienced mm -hmm. some seismic changes over the past six months to a year, um, and it didn't fit anymore. And the network we were set up at kind of doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, exactly. I so was thinking about that because I forgot that happen. I had an option. Yeah. I forgot that you had option. I yeah. had an option. I was like, oh, let me Google that for a second. And I was like, I read the, the title. Of the I'm like, wait, that's, is that even a thing anymore? No, um, no, but... it was three years ago. But yes. the point I'm making is like, what was so cool about getting to do that at the same time I was writing the sequel was that it just really helped me think about the bigger world yes. and the other characters we'd eventually be introducing and who they were and what, you know, because I'm picturing like, well, what does their bottle episode look like? Who's this guy? Mm -hmm. So that really helped me and made it fun. That's awesome. You can live in that. You, know, you get to live in that world for a lot longer, a lot more than even us reading the novels. For you read the back-to-back -back novels, and you've been you've been living this life for a couple of years. You've been in this world for a couple of years now, uh, working yeah. on something for TV as well. It, I mean, this doesn't mean it's dead, dead in the water, right? Or is this just dead at this 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 moment, right? I mean, yeah, it's dead. It's dead at this moment, and I'm you know really considering my options super carefully yeah. um, in terms of what will happen with it next. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool though. I mean, here, it, it's such a weird world we live in because, uh, you know, I am excited. I would be excited. So if you said it's moving forward, it's actually going to air next week. I'd be like, awesome. Let me tune in. This is amazing. Yeah. I, I'm going to live in this world a little bit more. Uh, I just mentioned earlier, I watched Dead, I read Dead Zone and then watched the movie. It's kind of nice to see the, you know, the different sides of things and so on and so forth, how someone adapts something. But in the same sense, if you said it's never going to be made into anything else again, only ever going to live in a, a, a book form, I'd be like, cool. That's okay, people. Mm -hmm. Like it'd be mm -hmm. great for you to, for, for financially, for you to make it into more. It's great for you to get to tell new stories potentially, and you have new different parts of it. But this was created as a novel, so it's nice to also, if it ever has to just stay as a novel, let's just keep it as a novel. Not saying I, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just one of those things. that's too much of us wanting, you know, even in the comic book world as well. There's too much of us wanting. Oh, when is it going to be made into a movie or a TV show? And it says, well, sometimes it just needs to stay at that. Not saying I wouldn't watch it and I wouldn't like that to happen. It's just if it does, then cool. I'll just read the book again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but, I appreciate that. Yeah, because yeah. I've been I've been thinking a lot about that as well. Like, like I said earlier, coming into this world as a screenwriter and a novelist, you know, I'm just like, well, is is it not complete until we do a movie? And I've recently come to understand like that doesn't matter i finished i finished the story mm -hmm. I, the two books exist her story is complete i feel great about it and that's all it needs to ever be and that feels mm -hmm. amazing to make peace with that yes and if you want a visual medium there's always the world of comics that you could just adapt oh, yeah. it and we can see it in comics we can have someone illustrate it instead of put it on tv or, or on a movie and so on and so forth um, oh my god a, a really like creepy graphic novel would be yes. sick that would be so cool and now i mean that's the other thing it's like this this 
does picture i could picture 100 picture this as a novel uh as a, as a comic book because horror comics are so so big right now too there's so much mm-hmm. like uh so many artists i could picture like drawing these people uh that would be unbelievably beautiful to see and but in the same also sense of that speaking of adaptations versus books i have a picture in my head what izzy what mia what jade all these people look like and i yeah. I, I sometimes hate when they make something like oh and they cast such and such as, as me i'm like oh, really who, who right. decided that that's what it looked <laughs> like up here <laughs> yeah yeah it's i so it can really just mess with me it like it made watching the hunger games movies for me years <laughs> ago very very confusing <laughs> Well, it can work but, out to benefit yeah. opposite-wise, too. If you read The Hunger Games after watching the movies, you might be going, oh, okay, I sure. can picture what mm-hmm. she looks like now because you gave me what she looked like. Um, but when you do the opposite, when I read Salem's Lot and then watched the Salem's Lot made-for-TV thing back in the day, I'm like, that right. is not what I pictured these people looking like. <laughs> so don't, yeah, if, yeah. In my version of what Mia and Izzy and Jade look like in my head, is different than what it probably looks like. She looks like they look like in your head too. Uh, and so that's what's cool about it. You had your own imagination on it. Where um, where Night's Edge is a lot about Izzy and Mia and the relationship between mother and daughter. Can you explain to those who haven't don't know about it, what, what, what the difference between that and First Light is? Like what's the, the difference in the novels? Yeah, sure. Um, well, First Light focuses less on... Mia and Izzy's everyday drama being stuck together and more upon Mia seeking it's it's a revenge story it's Mia seeking revenge upon the man who turned her mother into Asara in the first place because Mia was 10 years old when her mom started dating this creepy dude who one night did something terrible and then they were living with it for the rest of their lives um, and so, you know, her Izzy's ex-boyfriend, Devin, is still out there uh, recruiting Saras and, you know, literally just doing domestic terrorism as a vampire. <laughs> and Mia has decided, like, she's got nothing to lose anymore, so she goes after him. Um, and so the the story really focuses more on her understanding who her mother really was. Um, through the memories that he shares with her about her and then also understanding like why her mother fell under this person's spell and how this all really happened from an emotional standpoint um and whether or not forgiveness for her mom would ever be possible because Mm -hmm. of that do you do you find it hard to promote a book a, a sequel like this with there's things that happen in this sequel and things you'd like to talk to people about that you need to read the first book to kind of understand what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to talk about first light in detail without yeah. explaining certain things about night's edge, but basically, yeah, all you need to know is like, this is about a girl who goes after the vampire who turned her mom and ruined their lives period. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and, it, and that's all the stuff you think it might be. <laughs> And, yeah, and more. I mean, I tell you right now, it's it's a it's a a, a a good way, I guess, an emotional roller coaster to the whole the both both books together. Um, you 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 crafted characters that I care about. Like I care what happens to them, whether they're bad people or good people. It's just 
like you care about them like i do think that your villains in these things have a again i relate to walking dead a negan uh, aspect to it where you like mm-hmm. love to hate them like you want them to be awful you want them to be present and see them a lot and read them a lot but you don't yeah want them to succeed but in the same sense if they went away you you feel like something was missing <laughs> like you know what i mean like i don't yeah. know there's something about you want to root for them no, but you right. don't and, and and it's a weird way to put it but i care about every character that was introduced in this book these books that some people just don't can't do as, a, as an author is is yeah. write something that you care about everybody and you did that which not to make your head any bigger but that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm so glad that that worked though because yeah. i mean like he's like this is a despicable villain in yes. every sense but like the truth is like well in order for this person to succeed at starting a cult of vampires yes yeah. you have to imagine that he's very fun he's yeah. very interesting and he knows how to like get you to watch him Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had to always keep that in mind. So I'm glad that worked because even when I was writing it, I was just like, yeah, it's in this scene. Can I, can I cut back to this story? So, you know, it's true. It, it does keep things really interesting. Yes, it, and it does. And that's one of those things, like I said, I think that uh, I'm always for a, a sequel uh, and, and seeing the villain you want. It's hard. I'm a big Marvel fan and Marvel's done this really mm-hmm. bad thing over the years, the movies at least, where they like, Put a villain in there and then they like kill the villain off and then like it doesn't know like, the only it's like this weird thing where it's like we have to kill the villain at the end to make it worth the while and i'm like well you could like gravely injure them or like make them disappear or put them in jail or do something that like makes it so that or don't even do that just at the end of the movie like sorry we didn't we didn't succeed and the next movie comes because yeah, we didn't get them <laughs> the building a character up to be the thanos uh, uh style character over altering all these movies uh, was a successful thing for them. I think that's what made them billions and billions and billions of dollars. But the street level villains or the lower villains are the ones that they just like, okay, that one's dead. Now that one's dead and so on and so forth. And I for think sure. the villain, not only does the protagonist need to carry over like it does in this book, but I do think the villain part uh, needs to be there too. And I think that's what you know is nice about this book is that like they're not ever present, but they're there and they're 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 creepy as hell and they're someone you wouldn't want to we wouldn't want to mess with i tell you that much right. i wouldn't want to be in the same room as that as, no. so <laughs> i like that you brought up thanos actually because another thing that was very successful with thanos that like i, I want to take a page out of this book forever is that it wasn't wrong like <laughs> yes and that's that's yeah. that's what got me on the thanos thought thanos is my favorite yeah. like super uh, super villain in all yeah. comics books everything and yeah Thanos always it, it, he wasn't he wasn't wrong, but he also one hundred percent believed what he was doing was right, and that's sometimes totally. the scariest thing. And I think that's the same yeah. thing as in here, uh, where you think you're doing the right thing, and you think your mindset is, I know it sounds like we're doing something wrong, but promise me this is right. And we're all like, it's wrong. You are wrong, or you're. It might be right, but it's not the right way about going about doing it. And and, and right. yeah, so he was right. There's too many people. Yes, okay. But that's also genocide. So like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, you can't, you exactly. can't do it. You might not be wrong. I mean, what was it? Um, on the office, Dwight said on the office, he's like, you know what we need? We need another plague. And I was like, right. well, you're not wrong, but in the same sense, that's that's also not right. But yeah, so like, I feel yeah. like Dev, there is this mental mentality that the villain in in these books 
thinks that they're doing something or wholly in their mind thinks this is the right way about going about doing things or at least portrays that and explains that to people in a way that this is the right way about going about doing things but it's not the not the best way about doing it and so on and so forth so yeah no. there is a comparison yeah. there i can see that we're just gonna get them yeah. a nice infinity gauntlet yeah right <laughs> Yeah, it's um, missing the the hand on the front of knights are just missing hey, the, the gauntlet it's on missing it. something. Should I do a variant? <laughs> should we do a variant cover like they do in comics for this one with the gauntlet on the? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would do, I would love for someone to Photoshop that for us. That would make me very happy. Uh, but yeah, and it, and it's again and it and it's a different. I don't know. There's something I could just gloat and, and say all these great things about uh, about these books, but I think people should find out for themselves. In my opinion. Uh, what they like about them or not. And, and so you have the paperback comes out March 19th. Is that correct? Of Night's Edge? Yeah. Am I right yes. about that? Um, which is great for those people on a budget because, you know, it's nice that they're a little bit cheaper, so on and so forth. Um, I'm always a big hardcover person because I'm a collector, as you can see behind me. Mm -hmm. So you pull this off the shelf, you put it back on the shelf, and it's pretty much going to stay in pretty good condition. Um, but if you're looking for a cheaper option, the paperback's always good. It's also a little bit easier to read. Let's be honest, people. Holding a paperback mm -hmm. is a little bit easier to read than holding a card. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I will say the the hardcover of Night's Edge has something really cool under its dust jacket that the paperback won't have. So have you looked at it? Have you taken the dust I jacket have. off? I have. So, cool. so here's the deal. I am a original per like I, I try to get things in dust jackets and things like that and this is not the same uh, like there's, there's so many different books out there that have such a great book without the dust jacket on it that i really wish that i could just take all of the dust jackets off and I, there's no way i could get myself to do that. <laughs> so I the know, only way i have I books know. on my shelf that don't have dust jackets is that i bought them used without dust jackets um Ooh. but it's always fun to look at them uh, and as you can sure. see on uh, if, you're, if you're watching this this is a a, a cactus on fire which is pretty it's like in silver and the yeah it's really pretty so can't do that on pretty. a paperback but no, yeah you can't but um but that's that's march 19th that's available yep. and you can pre-order that at like your local your local bookstores um i've always recommend buying at your local bookstores but if you just want to buy it on amazon buy it on amazon too because listen i've always <laughs> i'm for local bookstores but i'm also for the people who create these things and if more people buy your book because they buy it on amazon that's also okay to me i hate is my buddy uh, jabron owns a bookstore in downtown bangor and he's probably gonna yell at me for saying things like that right. but yeah. he doesn't even want me to say the a word um but again if tor sees this paperback fly off the shelves or the first light fly off the shelves they're gonna be like well we should probably do more work with liz so like yeah it helps me personally no matter where you buy it it's yes. And also, we're all of us are on budgets. Let's be honest; most of us are on budgets. So wherever you can get a good deal on things, if you're buying a bunch of books, then you know it is what it is. So that's yeah. March nineteenth. But then First Light comes out roughly a month later on April twenty third. Mm -hmm. um, so you give yourself, you buy it on the nineteenth, you read the book, take some time, soak it in, and then you can go out and buy First Light, uh, uh, you know, in hardcover on the twenty third. I'm guessing hardcover, right? I'm guessing it's hardcover. Yeah, yeah, that one's out in hardcover first. Okay. Um, yeah. which, is, uh, which is, I, I am still learning the book market a little bit too, which is really cool. I like the idea you have time to promote things. I also love mm -hmm. the idea that you basically get to promote it for two years for most books that you get to do a promotion of a year. And then the trade, the paperback comes out, which is like a, puts it back in the limelight again. 
which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think that it was great the way they did the calendar for this because, like, like you said, First Light is out like less than a year after the first one, and then the paperback is out like really soon. So they just they did a good job of saying like this is when we're gonna have like second wind. So now we're in it, and it's very exciting. yes, it's very exciting. I will say that there's very little that Tor Nightfire has done wrong. <laughs> I'll tell you that oh, much yeah. right now. The best. <laughs> uh, they've created some, they've put out some amazing books from some amazing authors, mm -hmm. and, and I'm really excited uh, to see what happens. Are you writing, you're writing stuff now, but are you writing more novels? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm not sure what's going to become of the next one I've got. Um, I'm just trying to get to the end of it and see what it is. Um, it, it has something to do with alien abductions and that's all I can really say right now. Um, but I'm really excited about it and I hope it works. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I always like that because when people, when someone says, ah, I don't have anything I'm working on right now, I'm like, Ooh, maybe you should get on something because if you're, you, it doesn't mean you can say anything about it. Like, cause a lot of people say I'm working on something. I can't say much about it right now. Yada, yada, yada. But like, mm -hmm. if you can't say that, then there's probably, come on, get back to, get back to doing something. Cause at some point. I wish I were writing more than, than just this thing. I wish I, I always wish I were a little busier, which is probably not good. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean. It is what it is. And if you come up with books that are like this and they continue to be amazing books and, you know, do what you need to do. Uh, Daniel Krauss is one thing. He's like, I'm not, I've never been a guy who's like, I'm going to write a book a year. I'm going to write a book oh God. when it's, when it's good. And it's, you know, people like, it. I want to write good books. And I want to write books that I like to write. I don't want to just be forced to continue writing uh, books and things like that. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense to me is, you know, work on it and write something that you want to write. And if someone likes your writing, they're going to buy your book. And, and I don't think that's going to be a problem mm -hmm. with these two books, to be honest with you. You put something oh, out, you. we're going to buy one so that you know that. Um, you have one sale. <laughs> oh, appreciate it. <laughs> um, and then are you, are, you, are you working on TV stuff still or are, is it basically focusing on the books? Like what, what's going on in your life otherwise? I'm focusing mainly on books right now. Um, okay. you know, I think it's, to be, to be frank, Hollywood's been a, a tough place since the strikes ended. Um, you know, I think some people got work, got back to work really quickly if they had a project that was already like in production or something when the strike happened. Mm. But a lot of things did not come back. Um, and so I'm navigating that and, and, you know, really thankful that I have book writing uh, to keep me creatively stimulated and what have you, because yeah, it's, it's been hard out there. Hollywood's weird right now, so... It, it, it is. And I also feel like when I'm like, oh, wait, this TV show is back, but this one's not. When is this coming? Like, right. this, like this whole, like, I don't even know. And I remember this, the previous strike was the same thing. It was like, you go back and you watch previous episodes of seasons. You're like, why did this one only have 10 episodes and everything else was 22? And then you remember that's the season that they shortened, you know, and so on and so forth. And I do mm -hmm. think that there's, I mean, we were, we're waiting longer for things nowadays because I feel like they are doing more production. You know, The Last of Us, for example, was amazing. And then they're like, mm -hmm. well, the next one's not even coming out for another 18 months or two years. And then the writer's strike happened and it's like, well, now it's actually not coming out for another 18. And so like, you don't know, you know, I was the true detective had like three years off. It was the whole thing is like, you just don't mm -hmm. know nowadays. And then you added the strike in there and it was a whole messing it up. But yeah, okay. so the strike, the strike was also necessary. So like, I think that's, the, yeah. we're not necessary. It shouldn't have happened in the first place. Let's, let's reiterate that. But because of what happened, it was necessary to do what they, what you guys all did. So um, oh, for sure. Like there was no question that there was going to be fallout and yes. I was expect I was expecting this and it's okay. Uh, but that's the reality of like, are you, are you doing any TV right now? No, I'm not. 
maybe maybe next year <laughs> yes and, and and so i hope so i mean like i said i'm willing to you, your name will be on a book i'll, I'll be grabbing it. your name is on anything else we'll be watching it because we were very happy uh, with everything you've put out so Thank far, you. and I'm really excited to see what happens next. Um, March 19th is Night's Edge, and April 23rd is um, First Light. But also, I believe you can, if you want to get hardcover, you can get hardcover right now of Night's Edge. So don't wait, just buy the book now. Yes. <laughs> get reading. It's also available. The audiobook's also really wonderful as well of, of Night's Edge, if anybody wants to read Night's Edge. Mm -hmm. Is there going to be an audiobook for for uh, First Light? Do you know? There, There is, but it, it's stalled for okay. reasons uh so it won't be out in april no. right when the other one is but it will come yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, there's the second book uh, christopher golden's book also was delayed for some reason too i don't know what the reasoning behind that one is too but like it, it, audio yeah. i like i said i like to hybrid read unless i'm reading i obviously read advanced copy no. so i was able to read just that um because I also, again, the same way we like to visually see some people, I also like to see someone else's interpretation of what someone sounds like or the way they inflection, the inflections is on certain words and things like that. Mm -hmm. So audiobooks always fun to, to, to pop into and pop out of in that sense. Yeah, I, I do the, I read in a similar way. Uh, mm -hmm. I like to hybrid a lot. So yeah, uh, we're, we're getting an audiobook. It's just going to be a second. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah. But because I always used to like, if you do have it, so Night Sessions is available on Libro FM. If anybody wants to yes. do the audiobook version of that, that helps support local bookstores as well. Um, so check that out on there. <clears throat> you also own the rights to it. So like unlike other audiobook companies, they actually give you the file. It's yours. It belongs to you. It doesn't have, you're not renting it. Basically, it's your um, book to own. It's like the digital version of owning an actual book, which is pretty cool. But enough of that. <laughs> um, I appreciate it, Liz, for you to come on and talk your books with us. I really appreciate you taking the time out. Of course, this was so fun. And thank you for having me. Absolutely, and we'll have we'll come on again. We'll talk. You know, maybe we'll do a spoiler edition of the of this episode. Oh my god! We'll, All we'll I like want to do, yeah, I just want to do spoiler episodes so bad. <laughs> Be like, we'll talk Night's Edge first, and we'll just talk about the book if you've read the book, so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited for more. I can't wait to read these again because it's going to be amazing to read them again. And I think everybody else should pick them up and read them. Highly recommended. Thank you. Thank you so much, Liz. I really appreciate it. You have a wonderful uh, time in California. I hope it's uh, better for you there. I mean, uh, we're getting sunnier weather here. Hopefully the clouds go away or the gloominess goes away in, in Los Angeles or, or in California because, you know, we need bright sunny there. Not that the sun comes out that often anywhere because it is pretty hazy over there all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm over this. I'm over the febs. <laughs> exactly. Uh, again, I appreciate it so much. I really, I really do, Liz. Thank you so much. 